Revelation chapter 21, and I'd like to read verses 24 through 27, and we want to look at those who go into and who make up the city. We've spent some time on this subject of this new Jerusalem, this city, the city of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the saints from beginning to end, those in heaven, those on earth that make up this wonderful city. And we've noticed God's description of this city. This is how God looks at his people, how he looks at the body of Christ. And it is a glorious thing to behold. It's enjoyable to read. It makes the heart glad to see the way that God looks at his people. Now, this took the redemption of Christ, not silver nor gold. It took the blood of Christ. It took the redemption that we have in Christ that uh, allows us and enables us to do that, to be part of this great and wonderful city. And uh, it has uh, much glory about it, the doors, the foundations, the walls, the thickness of the walls, the height of the walls, the size of the city, all speak of perfection and glory that we have in Christ. And that's just how he describes his people. They have neither spot nor blemish. They have his righteousness and his sanctification. And the sanctification that we have in Christ is not contributed to by us, but it is wholly on the part of the Lord Jesus, his sanctification. He is called our sanctification in the book of 1 Corinthians, that first chapter. He is called our sanctification, and that is far greater than we can imagine, far superior than we could ever accomplish, and glorious in the eyes of God, and he is satisfied with it. And he imputes it to his people. In this last uh, few verses, there are some thoughts here with regard to the inhabitants of this city. Those who are in the city. Now, it is interesting to find out what people think about that. When you ask people, how, how do you get into the church? How do you get into the bride? How do you get into Christ? How do you get, well, I hate to use this term because it's so often used, how do you get saved? <laughs> and the conversation over that has even led to people killing other people. And most of the time they believe the same thing. It's works related works-oriented kind of salvation. And that's not how people get into this city. In fact, the last verse explains what the rest of this, of these few verses have in them. The last verse says, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the last phrase. That's who gets to go into the city. Those but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we're going to see a few verses tonight. We've gone over some of these verses in the past, but we're going to look at them again, that we didn't hold the pen. 
number one, and the ink has been dried from eternity. We don't drive God's hand when it comes to writing the names in the Lamb's Book of Life. And those names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Before God created Adam, names, the names, and all of them had already been inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life. And those are they who are permitted to enter into this city. And the reason that the Lord left it that way, I, I believe, is that no one would glory in themselves. Let nobody glory in his work. Glory in Christ. And that is from beginning to end. Glory in Christ that you were given before the foundation of the world. Glory in Christ that your names were written down. Glory in him and his great work of redemption. Glory in him and his death, his burial and his resurrection. Glory in him applying that great work of redemption and stopping us on our headlong travels to hell, stopping us by the grace of God through the preaching of the gospel that he would introduce us to hear the gospel, then we'll step back and say, I have nothing to boast in myself, but I can brag on God till the last breath I have in these lips. And then for eternity, it will continue on. Well, let's look at verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, in the light of the city. Now that's an interesting word, nations, because oftentimes we think of nations as, well, there's Canada and the United States and Mexico, and I don't know how many nations there are recognized in the world today. But this word has with it the idea of originally a multitude or a company. And it would be easy also to say a people. Uh, a specific people. And the people that are in here, they, uh, they're a multitude of people of the same nature. Now, that's what these, this nation is. The nations of them which are saved shall walk in it. They have the same nature. God has given them a new nature. I, I appreciate it. And I heard it the first time. And then I found part of it the second time. And the third time in the last bulletin, Isaac Newton's words, when he heard, I am what I am by the grace of God, and he contemplates in his latter years, blind, he contemplates, I'm not what I once was, and I'm not what I should be. And he just goes down through there and he delineates and comes up, but I'm not what I'm going to be, and I'm not what I was. And that's just by the grace of God that he could say that and God's people say that today. We're not what we want to be and we're not what we should be. But thank God we're not what we once were. And that's God has given his people a new nature. And that's what this is talking about. God's people have a nature and their nature is the same. We don't have various natures that God saves us. He has one nature that's what he's telling us over there in the book of Acts. He says there's one blood of man and one blood of fishes and one blood of birds. When it comes to salvation, there's one nature. There's one blood that purchases us. And that gives us one nature. And that nature is to glorify and praise and worship God. That's what he has given us. 
And we don't worship ourselves, and we don't worship our works. We worship God and what he's done for us. And that's this nations that come into the city. They have one nature, and it's been quickened and made and given by the Lord God of heaven. And it's a nature we didn't have by nature. It's a new nature. It's a new man. And it recognizes God as the supreme sovereign being. And that we bow before him and worship him and love him and allow him to put his feet on us, become his footstool. He, he's going to sit there until every one of his enemies be made his footstool. And after he puts his feet on us, we just say, thank you, Lord. I wouldn't have it any other way. These nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. Now turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. This same word, and oftentimes this word has been translated Gentiles. And to the Jews, the Gentiles were a multitude of people of the same nature, and usually not good. That was the view of the Gentiles, I mean of the Jews towards the Gentiles. They are a people of one nature. They don't have God, we do. They have a, a bad, evil heart, we have a good one. And, and they just looked at the Gentiles that way, as a people of one nature, and it wasn't a positive one. Well, this word carried over from its original meaning to mean God's people of one nature. Nations, people, God's people that are coming in. Now, here in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, there's three verses here in the book of Matthew that have the same word. And let's just look at that. Matthew 24 and verse 14 is the first one. Matthew 24 and verse 14 and it says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, unto all peoples. Now, by nature, they have one nature. And by God's grace, they get a new nature. They get the nature of Christ. And uh, this, it doesn't mean that the gospel is going to be preached necessarily in every nation, but every nation his people are in. That's where he's going to have the gospel preached. Every nation where his sheep are, that's where he'll have the gospel preached. And uh, then the end shall come. And we know that when the last one's saved. This is, going to be, this is going to be wrapped up like a tent. And it won't be like wrapping up a camp tent. It's going to be quicker than that. <laughs> he'll wrap it up. When the last sheep is saved, when the last place, where the last sheep, when the, last, the gospel is preached to that last place, then shall the end come. And it will come. All right? And in chapter 25, verse 32, again, this word nation. Nations is used. Chapter 25 and verse 32. It says here, And, and before him shall be gathered all nations, all peoples. I asked a person one time, now, it, he, this person believed that it was the judgment of the nations as countries. And I says, well, are they going to judge Germany when they were Christian or now? What, what time period are we going to do this? Are we going to judge America when it used to be or now? You know, you just think just a little bit. This is the judgment of peoples. And there's two natures of peoples gathered here. There's the nature of people that God has given a new nature to and the nature of people that were given the nature of Adam in the fall. The sheep and the goats, there's two natures here. 
And that's what nations mean. It means a multitude of people of the same nature. The goats have the nature of Adam. Job said, man be born like a wild donkey's colt. Now that just sums up man's nature by nature. Wild, unbridled, can't be controlled. You know, you can control it just a little bit, but the inside, the heart, can never be controlled. You just let a, a, a donkey uh, or its cousin a horse, given the opportunity, they'll bulk and run away. But the nature of the sheep is to follow. The nature of the sheep is to follow the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now there's two natures here assembled. Out of every person in the whole world ever been born, there's the nature that God gives and there's the nature that Adam gave. And Lord be gracious, put us in the group that God gives the new nature to. All right? So they are gathered together. It says, He shall separate the one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. There's gathered all nations, all peoples, peoples who have the same nature. And then in the last chapter, chapter 28, verse 19, we often remember this as the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Well, that's only done as we do it to peoples. That's what this is, peoples. Down there, Brother Heller doesn't have a radio broadcast to the nation. He has a ministry to peoples. Our missionary in Mexico, he didn't go to Mexico City and get on a radio broadcast and be a missionary to the nation of Mexico. He is a missionary to the peoples of Mexico, and primarily there in the Yucatan Peninsula, where he's been for those 40 years. That's what that word means in this context. So go into all the nations, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So this word nation, it's, uh, as we find it over here, the, these this nations of them which are saved, they have this nature of God, nature of Christ. They shall walk in the light of it. No, they're not bedbugs. Nancy had an experience down there in Mississippi with roaches. Oh. You turn on the light and the roaches just shoo. And people who live there don't pay any attention, but us who are not around them a lot, we notice them very quickly. I just... And they can call them what they want. They're just old roaches. That's all they are. And she... There were, she had to sleep on the floor on a, on a mattress. And they were all around. <laughs> she was so glad to get home. <laughs> <laughs> But those those critters, bed bugs, roaches, uh, you turn the lights on and they just head for the dark. And these of these nations 
love the light. John chapter 1 tells us they love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. They have no love for Christ. But those who have been given a nature to love Christ appreciate love walking in the light. There, I mentioned here, I think the other day, about the difference how we feel when there's sunshine or when there's clouds, particularly a long period of clouds. Sun comes out, boy, we're just like those cormorants. We want to get out there with our wings out and get in the sun, put our back right to the sun. It just makes you feel good. Well, it turns out there's vitamin D you can get that way too. So it's to walk in the light. What a blessing. And by nature, we don't want it. God has to work on our nature to love, to walk in his light, and to appreciate and enjoy him. And uh, the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Now, that's interesting. By nature, we don't bring any honor or glory to God. We're mistaken if we think we do. We don't bring any honor. We don't bring any glory to God. He is the one that gives honor, and he's the one that gives glory. And he makes us kings and priests of the Most High God. He allows us to have that honor of being his servant. Uh, there's much said in the world today about deacons. I've had several conversations. People want to know, what kind of government do you have out there? Well, hmm, we don't have much. <laughs> but what about deacons? Well, every man is a deacon and every woman is a deaconess. Well, do you ordain them? No, we leave that to God. Just let God take care of that. Well, how does he do that? When he saves them. He takes care of that when he saves them. He ordains them when he saves them. They've been ordained to eternal life. They've been ordained to service. So it just saves a lot of trouble, doesn't it? We don't have to call for counsel. God's already taken care of that. <laughs> well, he says here, he says, and kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. The only honor we bring is the honor that we've been given. Trophies of grace. Trophies of grace. Sinners saved by grace. That's all we can do. We have none of our own. We're just trophies of grace. Saved sinners. SS's. That's all we are. We have nothing to bring to God, but he has everything to give us. And that reflected glory is what we bring into the city. This is the glory of God brought into the city by his people because he has saved them by his grace. Boy, when we get beyond that point, when we get beyond that point, we're on thin ice. He is the Savior, and I just am the sinner he saved. That's it. The gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, nor for there shall be no night there. Now, metaphorically, I look at this, that the gospel will be going out of this city for time and for eternity. We'll be delighting in the salvation that we have in Christ. Now we do it. What, what do we do? What do we do? Brag on God. 
That's the light. We brag on God. And what shall happen throughout eternity? It shall not, the gates shall not be shut day or night. Because there will be no night there. We're just going to brag on God. We're going to praise God. We're going to thank God. There, that's all we get to do. Well, my goodness, that beats the alternative, doesn't it? <laughs> we get to brag on God for eternity. The, the gates will continue. The Metaphorically, we're just going to continue to tell about God and Christ. And we do it now through the gospel. But then we'll sit at his feet and say, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And then it tells us, And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. They shall bring the glory and honor. The only glory a people bring to the city is the glory of the Lord. Our nature has come short of the glory of God. Christ loved his people, died to redeem them, sanctified them, and will perfect and glorify them. And then in the last verse there, And there, there shall be no wise enter into it anything that defileth, nor whatsoever worketh abomination, nor maketh a lie. But they, they which are written... In the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, these three things are just very interesting. It says there, there no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie. Now, I just would like to spend a little time on that and then look at the Lamb's Book of Life. This passage tells of the thoroughness of the redemption that we have in Christ. There is nothing left that defileth. Now this word defileth is translated differently in other places. And there's one passage I want to go to that we have read several times. But I've never noticed that this is the word that is used there. Here it is defileth. And we think, oh my goodness, that's really terrible. That's a, that's a terrible crime to defile something. This is the same word. Turn with me to the book of Acts. I think you'll appreciate this. It was, it was a real blessing to see this. And I don't know if I've seen it. But I want, and I want to see more of it. But this is just Acts chapter 10, verse 15. There's nothing in this city that defileth. There's nothing in this city that defileth. And that word is placed in this verse of Scripture, chapter 10, verse 15. Remember when Peter is being prepared to go talk to some Gentiles? And the Lord taught him a tremendous lesson, but he's also teaching us. He taught him a lesson by dropping a sheet down from heaven with all kinds of raccoons, and squid and opossums and pork and shellfish, shrimp, everything that was prohibited under the law. He dropped down a sheet with all of that, all those critters in it. And old. Peter looked out there and saw those raccoons and opossums, and he says, ooh, there's nothing I'm going to eat on this table. 
Well, let's just look here. Acts chapter 10, verse, it says, verse 14, Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I've never eaten possum, not going to. I've never eaten raccoon, not going to. I've never eaten prawns, not going to. I've never eaten pork, not going to. And he's bragging about it. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, thou that call not thou common. Now that's the same word that we find over here, defileth, common, common. You know, this is such a special salvation that God said nobody there is going to talk about a common. It's just everyday kind of, you know, I got saved. That attitude. That's common. That defileth. God saves his people. We're not walking down the street one day and just praying, God got saved. I went to a meeting, got saved. That is, it is a work of grace. It's a work of mercy. It's a work of peace. It's a God-given, grace-given, blessed thing that God gives to us. And we'll never walk around and say, that's a common thing. It's a gracious thing. It's a holy thing. It's a blessed thing. It's not defiled. It doesn't defile us. It isn't so common. It is, it is the uncommon thing to be saved. It is God's grace in action. It's a miracle. It's just another way of saying it's a miracle. Evolution is so common. But creation is a miracle. And that's why people don't want to deal with it. And salvation is a miracle. It's not just walking the aisle, signing your name, raising your hand. That's not what it is. It is a work of grace. It's a work of mercy. It's a work of God. It's a miracle. And here, people will talk about a miracle of salvation and not talk about, oh, you know, I went to a meeting. I walked away and I just felt a little better. It's a work of grace. It's a work of grace. There's nothing left that defileth. And then there's the word abomination, or worketh abomination over there in the book of Revelation. And Dwayne and I were visiting this afternoon, that word came up. There's a tape around here, a CD around here, Brother Marvin Stoniker preaching on the abomination of desolation. And he mentions this word abomination. Well, here, fell right on the floor in front of me tonight. The, there's no abomination. It has to do with idol worship. No free will works religion. No will worship in this city. It has to do with idolatry. It's not, oh my goodness, what an abomination. It's idol worship. It's looking at that salvation is something that we provided, we did, we accomplished. We got it done. That's just idol worship, will worship, self-worship. That's 
That's not a miracle of God's grace. And here in this place, nobody will have an abomination. There will be no idolatry. No one is going to say, well, I got the job done today. Everyone will boast in Christ. What did Paul say? When it pleased God to reveal Christ in me. Uh, I wasn't going down there to a prayer meeting, but he stopped me. He arrested me. And then that last word, it says uh, in verse uh, 27, or maketh a lie. That word means perverse, impious, deceitful precepts. The worst lies that have ever been told in this world have been about God. People, demons, and the devil have told the worst lies in the world about God. Satan in the Garden of Eden. As God said, he told a lie right there. He's the father of it too. That's what God said. And the lies that are mentioned here is not telling a white lie or telling an untruth. The lies are perverse, impious, deceitful precepts that... God is trying to do something. That's a lie. God is hoping to get something. That's a lie. God is going to do something. God is sovereign. God is king. God is Lord of lords and king of kings. And so this, these lies are perverse and pious, deceitful things. And God has no place in the hearts of his people or in this city for any of these things. What's that mean for us? It means God's really going to do a thorough job. None of us, as we stand in this city, as we stand before Christ, or as we walk through this life between here and there, nobody is ever going to talk about common things with God. He's glorious. He's, he's the Lord God Almighty. There's no superior one. He's not common. He's not the co-pilot. He is God. Now, sometimes, I like that song. He's a, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. But you know, we can take that just a little too less. <laughs> he's, he's more than that. He, he just, he's a serious friend. <laughs> he's a friend that loveth better than a brother. And there's nobody is going to have an abomination there. Nobody's going to bring in their idols. Now, God, we know, we'd recognize right off, we can't get our rabbit foot in, and we can't get our bail in, we can't get our golden calves in. But we sure, our will, worship, our free will, worship, no, God's not going to permit it there. It's not going to be there. We're not going to have any trouble with it there. And then, a lie. We're not going to ever be telling things about God that are untruths. Thank God he helps us now. My goodness. Sometimes we just have to say he's the Lord God Almighty. He's the sovereign God. I can't go beyond that. I don't understand anything about it. I believe it. He's just the sovereign God. Oh, you don't believe that? Oh, yes, I do. You really don't. Oh, yes, I do. 
God doesn't kill people. Oh, yes, he does. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira. Now, we may not know anybody that he's dealt like that, but he does in the book. He'd made illustration enough in the book. Now, who is in this city? We know that there's those three things that are not going to be there. The last phrase says, they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. These are a people that were given by the Father to the Son. And the Son spoke about them many times. All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me, and he that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. He tells us about this agreement between he and the Father and the Holy Spirit many times in his own ministry. And he gave the apostles information about it after that, that he had a gift that was given to him. And they were people, nations, people who were of the descendants of Adam, the first Adam, all men died. Second Adam, all shall be made alive. Everyone that Christ represents shall be made alive. Everyone that Adam represented died. And he represented every man, woman, boy, and girl. Jesus Christ represented all those who were written down in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And all of them shall be made alive by the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Now the writer of that song took that from the book of Zechariah. There's a fountain and it's for forgiveness of sins. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13. Would you look at that with me? Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 and verse 14. We have these wonderful words shared with us about those who are in the city, who make up the city, inhabit the city, are the city. Those who are spoken of as having great gems, as foundation, pearls for the doors, height, perfect, width, perfect, Length perfect, thickness of the wall is beyond destruction. This church, the gates of hell shall not overcome it. Beautiful statements made by the Lord. Now here in uh, Revelation seven thirteen it says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto them, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There's another metaphor, another word picture. The Lord washes us thoroughly, picturely, in his own blood. That's who's in that city. The Lord of glory has spoken so highly of his great work of redemption. Revelation 17. Would you turn there with me? Revelation 17 and verse 8. As we think about those who are in the city, summed up this way, those who are written down in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 17, verse 8. The scriptures share this. And the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wander whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. They'll follow the beast. I think that's just another word for they'll follow any religion. They'll go from this religion to that religion. 
They uh, used to just brag on Chevys and Fords, but now Dodge has got into the mix, hasn't it? So they go from this religion to that religion to that religion. Who? Those who's not written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then in Revelation 20, Revelation 20 and verse 15, it says this, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now that's the opposite of those who are in the city. Those who are in the city are. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who are in the lake of fire, their names are not found in the Lamb's book of life. They are the ones on the side that say, that here, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Or to the goats, depart, depart. And to the sheep who found a nature change. They're a nation of God. They've had a nature change. God's work to work of grace. They're the ones that come into this city. And they are the people of God. And then... Turn with me one other verse. I think it's in First Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. This is the beginnings of the introduction to the book, but also the introduction to the letters to the seven churches. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the inhabitants of this city, the church. The, tr the church triumphant, the visible church, had Judas. The church triumphant didn't. The church visible has all kinds, but the church triumphant, the Lord's true body, only has those who have been given a new nature. They are a nation of God. Lord willing, we'll start this 22nd chapter, and uh, I think I, well, August 24th, I have to finish this, so we may or may not. <laughs>